This week on Fit for Purpose, I'm joined by Graham Baldwin, Vice-Chancellor of the University of Central Lancashire. We talk about how the university has opened a campus in Burnley to serve higher education needs in a part of the community that often hasn't had the chance to access higher education before. And we hear how crucial the work of the university is in making sure that local and regional healthcare services have the skills they need to serve a wider population. Graham, thanks so much for doing the podcast with us today. I can only imagine that being the vice chancellor of a university over the last few months has been incredibly challenging. Tell us a little bit about how the University of Central Lancashire coped with the original lockdown when it first happened. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, Justine. Well, I think my answer to that is that the university um, coped remarkably well. I I think I was really pleasantly surprised at, at how we responded. I think looking back now, it seems a long time ago, but obviously it was relatively recent, but it all happened so quickly. We went from, you know, planning to uh, begin to work more from home uh, to actually leaving campus very suddenly and setting up a a remote home working uh, situation um, that proved ultimately to be very successful. And I think a lot of that was due to the work that we put in as a university and our um, information systems people, the work they'd done to develop a culture that was beginning to use technology to a far greater extent to support learning. Uh, All of our colleagues have their own Microsoft Surface Pro, for example, and uh, we use that extensively around the university during a normal uh, period. So for us to then take that technology and to adapt it and use it from home perhaps wasn't quite as big a stretch as it might have been. But um, also credit to all of my colleagues because they worked incredibly hard um, and they were incredibly innovative, I think, in terms of uh, preparing uh, sessions that continued to provide what the students wanted and proved to be interesting. And we had some really interesting data because suddenly we saw an increase in student attendance at many sessions. And during the whole process, we've seen um, quite significant improvements in student performance. So actually, there's an awful lot for us to learn. And as we begin to gradually return to campus, one of the, the critical bits is how do we take the lessons learned and the, and the good things from that lo- lockdown and ensure that we continue to, to make progress uh, with the students in the future? So you're saying for some of your students, for various reasons, actually being able to learn online and do that in a high quality fashion was a benefit to them maybe because they were commuter students working from home and it it maybe um, just streamlined their day in a way not having to physically get into a lecture theatre. Yeah I think so I think I think some of our students have other commitments we know that Um, many of them uh, have Uh, other work that they need to do to be able to financially support themselves through their university experience. Um, Now some of that tailed off uh, during the lockdown period but I think they have also other commitments many of them uh, looking after people within their family and so forth. So I think the flexibility that the online learning provided uh, was helpful. It's it's an interactive uh, online experience but then it's also automatically recorded so you can then go back to it uh, in the future. And so there are a number of benefits to it. Now, it'll never replace um, having some element of face-to-face. We understand that. But I do think there are uh, some benefits to our students from having access to an online experience. Mm. And I suppose for the university, I mean, another big impact of COVID was the fact that 
as an institution, you train a lot of the people locally and in the region who will end up going into that healthcare system, you know, whether in medicine, nursing, dentistry, and presumably there were students of yours that ended up graduating early to get into those key roles that they were really needed for at that time. Yeah, this was the other amazing response, I think, from the university during that lockdown period was the, the sort of support for the national crisis. And of course, that was probably a, its most significant in the area of, of health and social care. And we're, we're the largest provider of, of students in uh, those areas in, in Lancashire and Cumbria. Um, we're the only uh, modern university with a uh, school of medicine, school of dentistry and school of pharmacy. So they were all in um, extraordinary demand. Um, both nurses and uh, medics graduated early and were then able to go and support the local trust. So uh, um, uh, medical students, the, the, the doctors uh, graduated and within 48 hours of that, all of them were employed in the uh, East Lancashire Health Trust uh, supporting on the front line. So, you know, it, they were remarkable. We were very proud of, of what the school were able to achieve in terms of of making sure they were appropriately prepared and early. And of course, even our second year nursing students were going into the trusts to provide support and additional um, pairs of hands, if you like. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an amazing response and uh, an amazing response right across the university focused on all areas, but was particularly um, apparent within the areas of, of medicine and health. And absolutely crucial at the end of the day. And I think underlined how, for you as a higher education institution, actually the role that you have and you do play in making sure that your region has that skilled, um, that skilled manpower in a way to be able to go into such key roles for, for local communities is crucial. But I think one of the other areas I, I wanted to ask you about was the role you also play in widening up that uh, access to opportunity for, for local people, particularly local young people. And it would be good to hear about some of the work you've done in Burnley, because I think the campus there has been a really good example of how you've managed to put that opportunity to get to university right on the doorstep of people. Yeah, well, I think if, if, I, if I can take that in two parts, Justine, and just start about the, the health piece. And uh, I mean, one of the interesting things there is that, you know, we're in an area where there are quite considerable inequalities, but particularly uh, health inequalities. And, and there's an awful lot of work to be done to address those. And part of the reason why we have the medical and dental provision that we've got is because we recognize that we need to educate people within this geographical region. And, and hopefully then they stay here to provide um, that skilled um, practitioner that we require in an area where there is a shortage and therefore we are able to address those health inequalities through the doctors and the dentists etc that are graduating um, from this university and you know it's quite an innovative approach so in the dentistry for example we've got they, they will do their first year within the university but then they we have de dental education centers that we've established in areas of need so for example in Carlisle or in Accrington or in Morecambe or Blackpool and the students then go and work there. And of course, they're then able, whilst they're um, <clears throat> being educated and while they're doing their programs, they're able to feed into that uh, area and provide a vital service. Uh, at the same time, they're getting 
a really broad range of experience. And when they therefore graduate and go into the world of work, they're probably as well prepared as anybody in that sort of primary care kind of environment. So in terms of leveling up, that's really, really important. And that's, again, what we did really with the Burnley campus. So the Burnley campus has been open for probably just over 10 years now. And it was deliberately opened in an area where we knew that that progression into higher education was low. And it wasn't because clearly the people of Burnley are any less able uh, or any less desiring of a university education, but they just didn't necessarily have the opportunity, particularly to leave Burnley and to take up uh, opportunities that were offered at university campuses elsewhere. So we've established the campus. We've now seen the um, provision uh, expand quite considerably and with it the take-up into to higher education and those people are then able to progress beyond that in in the future either coming to some of our other campuses going on for further study or, or whatever and we're working in collaboration with other providers in the town um, particularly the FE providers um, and it's a really good opportunity to ensure that, that the, the people of Burnley have the opportunity to progress into higher education with all the benefits that we know that brings. So that's been a real success. And that's very much our approach as a university, the, the concept of, of widening uh, access, providing opportunity and ensuring that all those people who can benefit from a university education get the opportunity to do so. And I think the role with the FE College and the partnership that you've got is one that shows that actually the reality is on the ground, a lot of universities are working very closely with their local FE colleges. How do you make sure that you have a good relationship with yours? What are the, some of the ways that you collaborate together? Where, where do you work directly together and where do you make sure that you sort of have those um, streamlined relationships that mean you're not sort of treading on one another's toes, but on the other hand, where you can do more together, you manage to, to make that happen? Yeah, well, we've, we've been working in partnership with FE colleges for many, many years. I think we've had one of the largest sort of part, partner college networks in the UK for a long time. So with it goes a kind of a structure. So we've got um, very good people who are absolutely committed to ensuring that they support the uh, partners as best they possibly can. And, and I think that's really widely appreciated from the feedback that we receive. There are a number of formal governance arrangements that we put in place for that which bring us together on a routine basis with the people who lead on the HE within the FE environments uh, and as a consequence of those formal processes we've established I think very good relationships with individuals that then enable us on an informal basis to carry on working together so I don't think there's any secret to the success of um, partnerships in that way it's, it's just about establishing open relationships where you've got good communication. That's what it really boils down to, clear communication on all sides. And you set out very clearly at the outset what it is that you're, you're trying to achieve. And I think if you do that, then, you know, it's quite a simple process, actually. And, and occasionally we, we might not uh, agree, but, you know, you can pick up the phone and have a conversation and, and address those, those issues quite straightforwardly. So I think really it's about maintaining the relationships, uh, having uh, similar uh, ambitions and, and agreeing from the outset very clearly mm -hmm. what it is you're, you're going to try and achieve. But there's no secret to it beyond, you know, just maintaining mm -hmm. relationships as you would with other organisations or, or indeed other people. 
Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, those points are really well made and they're important because at the end of the day, um, that local education ecosystem needs to be really straightforward for people to move through. One of the things that really struck me talking to the UCLan team recently was just how much support there is in place for students who come into the university um, who have a wide range of backgrounds. As you say, a campus like the Burnley campus has given the opportunity to get to university for a lot of people who perhaps not even, you know, might not have even thought about it. But actually, if they are going to be able to do a degree, we'll probably need a bit more, bit more kind of a few more bits and pieces in place to enable them to make the most of the opportunity. So can you tell us a bit about how you've approached all of that, the one-stop shop um, logic that you've had and, and, and in practice, what does it actually mean for students who, who need support? Yeah, sure. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that there's been some tremendous examples of successes of students who have started their higher education um, within the FE sector and then progressed to UCLan or indeed have, have, have uh, spent their time at the, at the Burnley campus. And, um, Part of that is obviously because of their ability and the hard work that they've put in, but I would also like to think it's because of the support uh, infrastructure that we've we've got in place. I think you rec we recognise that uh, our students, um, many have come from non-traditional backgrounds as, as well as the traditional backgrounds. So you're catering, catering for people with a, a wide diversity of experiences. So therefore... Graham, give us a sense of, you know, when you say non-traditional backgrounds, you know, paint a picture of some of the kinds of students you might be taking through the university. Okay, uh, well, just for example, I guess most traditional students into university, if I was using that phrase, would have come with an A-level background, uh, mm -hmm. so would have progressed through their school into the sixth form or into a sixth form college, done a, a suite of, of A-levels, made their application on a traditional basis, and then come into university probably aged 18 and, and undertaken their degree. Um, we have a high proportion of mature students, so we get students who don't necessarily come straight from completing their exams. They, they might be um, 19, 20, 21 plus, depending on, on what route they've taken. Uh, many of them will have, have come through the uh, further education background and undertaken uh, BTEC qualifications as opposed to A-levels, which um, are more um, focused on uh, experiential applied learning. So um, that, you know, their, their experiences are slightly different. Um, and we've got people who have, have undertaken work experience, uh, got some um, experience of, of working before they then realize that they would like to pursue higher education. And they come in again with a completely different set of experiences. So we've got all of that. And we've also got those who have come through the traditional straight A-level route, which is, which is great. And all of them go on to do really well. But you've got to kind of um, blend your offer because each one of those has got a different set of experiences and will learn in a different way. And therefore, it's not good enough just to assume that they can pick up on you know, a particular way of learning. In the university, we are very committed to providing that one-stop uh, shop, as you say, support for these individuals. So there's a, a central uh, place called the Eye uh, where they can go onto campus and from there they will be appropriately directed and supported so that they get the, the, the kind of support that, that they need, which is tailored to their experiences and helps them to develop as the independent learners that all universities are trying to create. 
And is it fair to say that, I mean, obviously your student body therefore is much more diverse and actually for everybody on those courses, the element of getting a degree that is you learning from one another, you know, the other people who are also on the course, presumably is actually really strong because rather than being, you know, 18 and in your first year at university with a whole load of other 18 year olds, actually, you know, everybody's able to learn from, from the other experience, perhaps much, much more so than if it was a more homogenous uh, group of students who just done the A-levels and then headed off to a local university like UCLAM. I think that's a good point. I think the, um, the diversity is always an, an advantage. And yes, you're right. It, it brings people with different experiences that can uh, support the other learners within the group. I think added into that, the fact that we um, are a, a significant regional institution, but we work very extensively nationally and internationally. Mm-hmm. We've got large numbers of international students, students coming from over 100 different uh, countries, and they also add to that diversity and you know provide an opportunity for all of our students to be exposed to people from different backgrounds different cultures with different experiences and that makes for an incredibly rich learning environment uh, and i think you're right the, the students as a consequence of that go out not only with their degree but a really rich set of experiences and, and, and a really good understanding of uh, other other people and the way that uh, you know other other activities are undertaken Mm. And I think that um, the other piece of it, I, I think that really matters for you, Plan, is around how you can then connect up those young people and indeed, you know, the mature students with opportunities as they get towards the end of that, the end of that course. Um, the work that you do with employers, I think, is really interesting because it's fair to say you've got some big employers like BAE Systems, but also there's a huge number of SMEs in your local community that you work with to try and make sure that doors are open to your graduates. Yeah. And again, I think, I think it's a win-win to be honest, because um, the SMEs benefit hugely from providing opportunities and experiences for our students uh, who can offer quite a lot. I mean, what somebody once said to me, um, when they were looking at some of the work that some of our students had done is they said, I don't, don't want this to, to, to be taken the wrong way, but I didn't realize undergraduates were capable of this quality of work. And the individual who I was talking to was setting up uh, some marketing for a great um, inward investment uh, piece of work. So, you know, we were talking about very high level and I think that's true. You know, undergraduates have real abilities and therefore when placed in, uh, organizations such as SMEs, et cetera, have an awful lot to offer. And, um, you know, but, but also by undertaking that experience, they are getting valuable experience that makes them definitely more employable once they've graduated. So it's definitely a win-win between the businesses and the um, students. And the other thing we encourage here is not only for them to engage with multinationals like BAE Systems or the SMEs, but also if they want to consider uh, setting up their own company we encourage that and provide significant support for that as well and we are routinely one of the leading universities in the country for student business startups and indeed for the number of startups that are still in operation after three years so in terms of that employability focus um, there's an awful lot going on here which benefits the students without a doubt but I think also benefits the 
uh, SME community and indeed other organisations within, within the region. The enterprise piece I think is really interesting because for a lot of young people it might be something that's in the back of their mind that they could potentially create their own opportunities by creating their own business but I think unless you necessarily know someone who started a business or is an entrepreneur or runs a business it's not always easy to get the advice and mentoring that you need. Now you've got at UCLan an incubation space, haven't you, where you start to bring together all of those different people who can help along with the students. Be good to get a sense of how you approach allowing and supporting those students to be able to get those enterprises going. And, and in the sense, what's been the secret of the success of uh, the work by UCLan on, on enterprises? Yeah, well, it is about making the students aware of the opportunities and the potential in terms of creating their own uh, companies or their own their own business. Um, what we've done, which I think is is relatively uh, distinct, is to have uh, people who aren't necessarily students but are setting up their own business and their own enterprises working alongside students who are doing the same, and therefore you get that sharing. Um, but we've also, over many years, developed um, a bank of expertise within people who are able to provide that mentoring or that support and that guidance so that they're, they're, they're being channeled and directed to some extent in terms of what the opportunities are. But also whilst they're doing that, they're picking up some of the fundamentals that you need to be aware of in terms of running your own business. And that professional support and advice is there. And I think that's often the bit which... which uh, uh, individuals would stumble over because it's how do you know all of the legislation and requirements that you need to be aware of to ensure that you're running your your business effectively and safely but we've got people on hand to provide that advice and guidance so I guess what we do is we give the students confidence from the very outset that, that you know this is something you should embrace and not be scared of and and if they do find that they come up against a, a bit of a challenge or a problem, there are either peers there that can help them to, uh, in, by directing them and saying, yeah, I had that same problem, this is what you need to do or, or whatever, or direct them to speak to one of the uh, professional mentors or experts who can give them the guidance that they need. And we're doing that constantly. And the students, therefore, it's an automatic part of the decision-making process whether or not to think about uh, setting up their own, their own enterprise. I think I'd have really enjoyed going through that whole um, process whilst I was at university. And my sense is, you know, ironically, now is the time really when you could see the ability of a lot of particularly young people um, and 20 somethings to get businesses started in the sense that where the economy has already and is going to continue to shift is on probably two axes. One is the tech revolution that's underway. And the second is net zero and the fact that actually the whole economy is going to have to tilt quite dramatically over the coming years. I think young people are probably as well placed as anyone to have a sense of the kind of future world and the products in it that are going to be successful. So ironically, I think tapping into their creativity is probably one of the smartest things we can do more generally, frankly, whilst also giving them the chance, as you say, Graham, to maybe get a business started up that can be very successful potentially 
but otherwise at the very least is giving them an amazing experience of finding out how you go through that process and what you have to do and how you pitch ideas, how you pull together a plan. And, you know, I think the whole approach is one that's highly valuable to lots of young people, no doubt. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the, they've, they, in some ways, most of them haven't, haven't got necessarily anything to lose at this stage. So it's worth giving it a go. And as you say, even if they're not necessarily successful, they've been through a process of creating plans and going through the uh, setting up of a, a, a company, et cetera, et cetera, which is hugely valuable experience and will hold them in good stead for whatever they do in the future. And I think is recognized by uh, prospective employers that they've got a skill set that is, is going to be useful for them. Uh, of course, many of them are successful and are, are, you know, kind of refer to what I was saying earlier, just how talented they are. And I agree with you, you know, that they're, they're incredibly creative. And we're seeing that all the time, aren't we? If you, you know, just in the media, you, you pick up on so many young people who particularly through technology are being successful and um, they're not scared of technology. They've, they've, they've embraced it for a long time. They're very aware of, of the, um, the, 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 the merits of the technology and what, what its limits are. And, and I think they use it really, really well. So we, we, we should be optimistic for the future, I think, because we have got some really talented young people coming through with a really good education. And, uh, you know, they will be what, what turns the economy around, without a doubt. Totally agree. And one of the reasons I've always been very passionate about social mobility and levelling up is I think the answers are very much in just empowering people to come up with their own solutions, but also our solutions more widely as a, as a country. And I think for me, it's really exciting because it's almost like we're a country that fires. If, if you think of a, what would soon be an old fashioned engine, you know, with four pistons, it's almost like we're only firing on one of them. And, you know, human capital is interesting because you know, when you use, up, use most resources, you steadily deplete them. Um, but human, human capital is very different because the more opportunity you give it, um, the more you use it, the more it grows. And I think the chance to really unlock a whole range of potential, you know, in communities, whether it's Burnley or anywhere else, to my mind, is, is really, really exciting. And, and it's obviously something, Graham, that you've been very passionate about over many years. It's probably a good time for me to ask about your own journey. You know, how, how, do, you, how do you end up being VC at UCLan? Tell us a little bit about, you know, when you decided to have more of a, a direction in education, you know, what was the journey that you've taken? Well, uh, probably um, partly because I wasn't as adventurous uh, in my younger days as some of the students that I've just described. Um, so I, my, my journey started um, with a conversation with, with my parents before I went to do my undergraduate studies where they were kind of quite clear that I probably wouldn't thrive in, a, in a, an environment where I was stuck in an office all day. So I did one of the very early sports degrees and, mm -hmm. um, and from there, the decision, what do you do with that? And, and it, it led me into teaching. So I started my career as a PE teacher. Mm -hmm. um, which I enjoyed thoroughly. And, but after a short time as a PE teacher, I, I wanted to go and try to do more. And it, it led me to going back to do postgraduate study and to then starting work in a university. And I guess I've just really taken it step by step um, in terms of 
taking on more opportunity to influence the education, if you like, in, in terms of management uh, role. But I've worked throughout in institutions that are committed to widening participation and who are committed to social mobility. And I think with that, you, you generate a, a passion because you recognize the difference that the institution is making, not only to the students that, that, that come through, but also to the community. You know, some of the contributions that we talked about earlier, you know, I'm, I'm hugely proud to be part of an organization that can do all of that. And so, you know, it, I just feel very lucky. It's, it's, it's been a huge privilege to do the, the jobs that I've done. And, and this job is a particular privilege and, and a great pleasure. But it sounds like it's an interesting journey from the perspective that you weren't setting out, if you like, to end up having a career that would, you know, take you into, as it were, the university sphere. But it was just, a, a, as ever with many of us, just one step led to another and you gave that chance to have some success. And, and actually, in the end, it's been a very successful career. Yeah, I think that the, the things I would take from that were that um, take every opportunity that comes, uh, even if you're not really sure where it would lead. Uh, my experience has told me that, you know, it, 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 it always benefits you to, to have a go at something. So a couple of examples there, obviously, right. Started out as a PE teacher, really no ambition necessarily at that time to work in a university or to progress through a university. That opportunity came back, but it was a love of the subject actually that took me back to want to study it in more detail. And then, you know, that gave the opportunity to, to work in a university. But partway through my career, probably mid-career, um, I was invited to apply for a job in the nuclear industry. Now, that's quite a different um, experience for somebody who started out in physical education. Then was a sports. Not, not an obvious crossover for a PE teacher. No, that's right. And, and that was pointed out to me many times, both by friends and colleagues in the, in the industry. <laughs> But I went and did a, a year's secondment working at Sellafield uh, um, with the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority. Fantastic experience. And, and you know, initially I might have thought, oh, what could I do? And, and you taken out of your comfort zone. But the learning I got from that and the opportunities that it, it presented uh, held me in very good stead and certainly helped me to progress further in the, in the university sector. So I think, you know, you're right. I took it one step at a time. I... Um, took every opportunity that came, whether that be to take on more responsibility in areas that I wasn't necessarily familiar with or to go and work in the nuclear industry. And all of that really, really helped. And um, I, would, I would recommend to people, you know, just, just take every opportunity that comes, even if it's not necessarily what you thought, the, the direction you would go in, uh, because you, you find that you enjoy it tremendously and it does open up other opportunities. I think some of the most... Um changing experiences for me in my life was where sometimes you know you, you thought you were going into you know an ordinary day maybe at work and and you'd you know maybe I was at an, when I was training to be an auditor there'd be this client I'd have to head over to and actually you'd find yourself absolutely fascinated by what they were doing in the business and yet beforehand if somebody had sort of said oh I don't know um pharmaceuticals is is a really interesting industry I wouldn't have had a sense of it but once you started to get under the skin of them then they were all absolutely well I found them absolutely fascinating 
But I think the, the, the thing that really struck me um, in terms of your career was I've always felt there's a massive link between what you learn in sport and what it teaches you. You know, my, some of my earliest um, experiences were I, I um, did swimming at Rotherham Metro and it was a little swimming club that had been set up by two budding swimming coaches called Fred and Bill Furness. And they turned up one day at Mowbray Garden swimming pools where I used to go swimming. And um, I remember going home with my dad and he said, oh, this bloke's turned up. He's going to start a, a swimming club. Do you want to be in it? And I love swimming. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Anyway, so, <laughs> you know, months later, I'm, I'm trawling up and down the training pool um, I think I end up looking a little bit like Olga Corbett or whatever she was called, that gymnast, because my, my muscles get, you know, as a sort of 11-year-old, pumped up very quickly from all of this exercise. I'm like fit as a flea. Yeah. Of course, what it taught me was sticking at things, persistence, um, you know, fitting in things around school and, and not giving up even when you're tired or, or a bit sort of cheesed off with stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of that skill set massively um, stood me in good stead for the rest of my life. Of course, you know, the end of the story, I guess, is that um, I, it turns out I'm far too short to be a great swimmer, although I was, I was all right. Um, but, but when everyone else grew and I didn't, then uh, it was clear that there was no professional swimming career ahead for me. But of course, um, Fred and Bill Furness do brilliantly. And um, I'm watching, I think it was the, um, the Olympics in, oh, it probably was 2012, actually. Um, and of course, Rebecca Adlington's coach comes on the screen, uh, delighted that his protege has just won some gold medals and it's flipping Bill Furness. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it's, there you it, go. Big, big crossover, I think, to, to success in life. I think so. Yeah, I think that there's an awful lot of the characteristics that are required to to participate in sport at, at any level uh, carry over into work as well. I think there's been some um, very good research published actually on the the benefits of sports participants to business generally and, and um, you know, going beyond the, 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 those who, who study sport, but just those who participate in sport have got a lot of characteristics that, that uh, are positive when it comes to work and, and business. So I think there's a lot to be said for it. And of course we've got it, you know, a, a need now for us to encourage, you know, more active living, I think. And um, that, you know, I, I, I think there's definitely, a great correlation between you know activity sport participation and and, uh, and the other things that we do so I, I couldn't agree with you more in the meantime lots of plans for you plan and you know on the social mobility pledge side of things you know it's been really helpful getting the chance to talk with you today graham doing this podcast but also with your team to really get under the skin of what you do there, how it works, particularly around the work on the Burnley campus. And, you know, we're really looking forward to um, publishing that Opportunity Action Plan um, later on in the year. So thanks um, so much, Graham, for, for doing the, the podcast today. And uh, we're looking forward to getting a chance to, to come to UCLan to do the launch. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been a pleasure doing the podcast. Great to speak to you, Justine. So thank you very much for that. But we're as a university, genuinely excited about the work we're doing with the Social Mobility Pledge. Um, this is work that we absolutely believe in, been committed to for many, many years, and it, and it seems right to, you know, take this opportunity to more highly profile that. So, um, you know, we very much appreciate the opportunity to be involved. So thank you very much. 
Thank you. What's really interested me throughout our social mobility pledge work with the University of Central Lancashire is the joined up approach that they've taken between working with further education providers to make sure that the two link up effectively for students, offering support to those who need it so that they can really thrive at the university. And then at the end of the courses, linking graduates up to employers so that there's a clear pathway of progression from study and then into careers. I've always recognised how important the partnerships are between universities and their local schools and colleges and employers. And I think that the work of the University of Central Lancashire really shows how this already can work in practice and it really does make an impact. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit for Purpose. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating and share with your friends, family and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.